Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and from an undisclosed location, Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? It sounds it sounds more uh, interesting than what it is. But yeah, <laughs> I had to I had to take a quick trip uh, back home very shortly, but uh, wanted to make sure I came on today. I'm doing great, my man. How are you? I'm doing well. No, we have to make it mysterious, David. So people are like wondering, like, oh, where is Thorpe? When they see the video, they're like, what is that room he's in? That's not his office. Hey, guys, listen, we are, well, really, David, <laughs> important people in the NBA. So, you know, we got we got things to do, right? So we, we go to random places to do things. On occasion, um, on occasion, I do have to leave my very happy <laughs> office and wife to uh, do business. So I'm doing some business. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. David, I, I was, you know, like in the playoffs and I was watching some games and, you know, we at Troop always think about, what are ways coaches and teams and executives can just do different things and be radical in their attempt to win these games, which we've discussed and you've said so many times, it's really fucking hard to win these games, right? So can coaches be radical in their tactics? And by radical, I don't mean crazy. I just mean outside the norm of what everybody else does. Um, and it really had me thinking, right? What what are ways in which guys and coaches can be radical? It, it tied into the Sexers. Uh, he, uh, Celtic series and it got tied up last night. One, one Boston um, came back house on fire. I think I dropped in our chat group, the, um, <laughs> the, the gif of, uh, of, of Rocky's trainer in, uh, in Rocky four, throw in the towel, right? Cause they just, they were just pummeling him with threes. Was, was that when Clever Lang was just killing him? <laughs> no, it was, it was Rocky four. So it was when Drago was killing oh, Apollo right. Creed that's and right. he's just like throwing the towel. <laughs> Like, right? Like, he's literally, he literally killed him in the ring, right? Like, throw in the towel, Rocky, what are we doing? Literally killed him in the ring, right? <laughs> um, and that's what I felt like the Celtics were doing, shooting threes. I was like, Jesus, throw in the towel. But it had me thinking about, okay, how can you be radical? And I'd ask the question, when you are the underdog, as David, you say this all the time, you've got to try different things and you've got to, right? Because beating the favorite is a difficult thing. They've been better than you all season for a reason. Now, the gap between Boston and Philly may not be that wide, but Boston is the higher seed for a reason. Um, they won game one, the Sixers, without Joel Embiid. And when you are the, the underdogs, so you're on the road, the goal is always to try to get one of those first two games, right? So you take back home court advantage. Well, they did that in game one with a big Harden game. You said on our show, the games, the one or two games, maybe three that Harden plays really well, you have to win that game. Well, they did that. They won game one. So in my mind, I was like, David, well, Embiid's kind of gimpy. I'm like, well, we already got game one. I'm not saying throw game two. That isn't what I'm saying. I'm just saying, well, give Joel three extra days of rest so that now we have him at home for game three. Extra rest won't hurt him, I don't think, right? So that was my idea when I was thinking, can teams be more radical? I know you like the idea of doing something like that. I mean, first of all, just on the face of it, the idea of, of being innovative is super attractive to me. It's what it's what I miss most in coaching when I just coach individuals because the best part about coaching anyone's ride is the relationships you build for sure. It keeps I'm I'm an old man. 58 is no joke. Um, but I get to hang out with now it's you know kids my son and daughter's age. And I love that. And I think it does keep me a little younger. It, it inspires me to try to stay active, whatever. I went on a uh, nightmare hike yesterday where I'm at with a person that's very close to True Hoop and nope. and I, I really thought we might die. <laughs> it wasn't great, <laughs> but I like doing that. It, it you know that I can still kind of do some things physically. So um, I love all of that. Uh, I miss the strategy part very much. I miss the in my book I wrote a chapter called uh, Red Light Green Light where I created some kind of crazy concept of trying to convince our opponent that I wasn't delaying, slowing the game down because he was going to murder us. Because I, my two best players, both like 30-point scorers, I moved up to varsity. I was a young, you know, 20-something-year-old JV coach. And I had to convince a dumbass on the other side, who, who was a friend of mine, but he never realized we were not shooting on purpose. And so uh, we pulled off this incredible win. It was my favorite chapter of my book, really, probably. And we did it again one game later against two amazing teams. Oh, I miss that so much, Gerard. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> but it's so different in high school. No one was second-guessing me. Right, right. Um, these guys are second-guessing, and, and then second-guessed the again. It never stops. By mostly people who don't know what they're talking about. And I would even include myself on that. And I obviously, I know basketball, but I don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. And so it's it certainly, uh, like, I, I 
probably very unfairly, wrote an article um, basically saying Mike Budenholzer needs to be fired. Mm-hmm. And then I found out his brother had died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I felt terrible. I really, I still, I feel terribly that I called for his head in a sense. And really, mostly, mostly predicted that he would get fired. Not, I didn't really make the argument he should be fired. No, no. You just I just thought he happen. would get fired. And man, if I, if I had to try to coach a game after losing one of my brothers, who are you know, like, probably my two favorite people on the planet outside of you know, my immediate family at home and my mom, I'd be terrible. I just think I'd be terrible. And so who knows how these guys are really feeling, how's their legs. I mean, you know, the human body is a weird thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we do second guess, and mostly these people don't know a damn thing about the game or about the individuals. Yet, I do think, Gerard, we lose real opportunity. I think this is the case in every sport at the professional level. Um, in the Premier League in soccer, of which my team once was a part of, um, <laughs> they just fire the coach. Yeah. Because automatically things change because the new coach comes in with their own innovation, right? Um, we don't do that in the NBA. I'm glad that we don't. But And so I, I think these guys do have an opportunity. So with, with respect to what you're saying specifically with Joel, um, the only cost to what, you're, what you suggested is, okay, it's another three days where he doesn't get any reps in the game. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, Gerard. Right. I, I, in, in a perfect world, I hope they had real engaged discussion mm-hmm. in the coaching staff and the executives. What do we do? How many minutes did he play last night? Do you remember? I don't think he hit 30, which is good because is they were good. getting blown on anyway. Right. So it may be it worked out fine that they got drilled. 27. Mm-hmm. He didn't play stressful minutes after the mm-hmm. first half, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that should suggest he's much better in game three. However, we'll find out if he, yeah. you know, James Harden, as we kind of predicted, was not going to be the same James Harden as was in game one. He just isn't that player anymore. Yeah. And he was terrible last night. All right, would you agree? Oh, uh, yeah, he was not, not good at all. <laughs> Two of 14 from the field. Yep, minus 21, oh, six from the three-point line. Got oh, the line six. 10 times, though. Which is good, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's still James Harden. Um, so they need Joel. We'll see, because they come right back and play again on Saturday. Yeah, Friday. So, uh, so it's Friday, Friday Sunday. Right, yeah, Friday's right. game three, Sunday's game four. So th- this, every, this every other day thing, you know, it's tough. And to your point, David, and players will tell you this, and you know this, there's a rhythm you have when you're playing. And so sitting out means you're not in rhythm to your point about getting game reps. So that, that's the other side of, okay, Gerard, I hear you on resting him, but now he hasn't played basketball in 11 days. And we get this is the playoffs, the most important time of the season. So I'm not saying what I'm suggesting is perfect. It's just how do we find the the right balance and maybe that game where he didn't play stressful minutes because they pretty much got blown out starting game three he was able to get back some reps yeah. and get himself back into close to game shape and then by game three it's gonna be a little bit better because as you often say right human nature kicks in right all right it's two two we won game five ah let's relax now that we could argue that's what happened to the warriors right they won game five on the road oh we'll go home game six we got this covered well they didn't Kings came out and waxed in game six, right? Had to go to game seven. So maybe Philly thought, all right, up 1-0, we did our job. We stole one at home. Maybe it was natural to know they're going to relax. I don't know, right? But these are these are all things that I think are interesting because this is the playoffs are the most stressful and important time of the year because these games matter the most. And so how do I get my team best prepared so that we can win these games, right? And I think to your point, innovation is so key. And it's hard, right? Because they're going to get called out. If you don't play Joel Embiid 48 minutes in an elimination game, you're going to get second guessed. If you play him 48 and you lose, no one's going to say anything, right? Well, because you played just our 48 minutes. Was that the right idea? Maybe we could have figured something else out. But it's just the way that this works with sports, right? And how, and how we think about things. I will say this. Um, Boston shot the three ball well um, last night, obviously. Um, I like... Paul Reed and a lot of the bench guys that Philly has, I think Doc can really do something with those guys. Of course, we know about Niang and like they can, they're good. Melton, Melton and, yeah, yeah. and Maxi, yeah. I, I I like what they have. This is going to be a long series, I think. You know, assuming Joel's not going to miss any more time and, and and be healthy. I am concerned though a little bit about Tatum, like, and I feel like I kind of have been all playoffs. I'm like he just hasn't been, you know, Jason Tatum. Like he's been fine, he hasn't been been bad, but I'm just like. You haven't been like that 25-year-old, all-NBA, first-team elite, no, no, I'm that dude kind of guy. 
And I'm a little worried about that. We've, we've said this on our show maybe two weeks ago where he, he was at a stretch that reminded us of the beginning of last year mm-hmm. where he just wasn't shooting well. I don't know what his numbers were last night. Uh, he, didn't, he, didn't even shoot the, he didn't even shoot the ball that much last night. I think it's yeah. just seven shots. One of yeah. He played 19 minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a real concern. He was in yeah. foul trouble, I mean, to be fair. But also, right. yeah. it's, but it's a real concern. Uh, they're not going to win a championship without him being the real Jason Tatum. And the approach you have to take is uh, same thing every day, same routine every day, find my comfort zone. You never know when you kind of find it again. Who knows what's going on? It might be an at the core issue, abdomen issue, legs. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, Could be a I, family thing. Maybe Deuce is having a rough time. Who knows? Right. Like Wiggins went through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a really you know, serious thing that he was going through, apparently. We were sitting all that time. Um, Boston, yeah, that's something they've got to be strategizing about behind the scenes is what, what can we do to get him? I remember, I remember uh, in Jack McCollum's book, Seven Seconds or Less, Steve Nash was struggling. And Mike D'Antoni, to his great credit, basically suggested let's get his personal coach on the phone and get him in here. And I just love that because that is not the approach even today, many years later, two decades later, whatever it is. Maybe not two, but do that. close enough. <laughs> yeah, maybe 15 years later. Most of these coaches are still a little too possessive. They don't, they don't realize that, I, I always call them, they're, they're renting those players in a sense. They could they be gone tomorrow, the player could be gone tomorrow. Uh, I once had a player, I, after he retired, he was asked in, in my presence, like, like who, who was the best coach you played for? And he said, I really just had one coach. It was, he was pointing to me. Like the other guys were in my mind. He's like, I, I had 12 coaches in my career. You know, I like some better than others, but it was the same voice in my ear all the time, helping me manage this whole thing. And I, of course, I very much appreciated that. The reality is a lot of these guys have that now. And so it, for me personally, I'm not adversarial. I don't beat right. up their, the, team, the player's head coach typically. How do we figure out how to play better within the context of what the head coach wants. And I think because of that, head coaches tend not to be too worried about me. Most of them know who I am, especially if they've been around a little bit. Assistant coaches are very different. They get to be real squirrely. I'm very careful. That's why you never see me tweet about all the players I talk to, whatever. I'm just, right. I would, if I ever, if I ever needed to analyze one of them, a troop, I would, I would divulge. I, mm-hmm. I help this young man a lot. Um, there's a lot of players in the league and I can't have all of them. So I don't have right. to do that typically. But um, Someone needs to get Tatum guy, which I think is. Uh, um, I think it's Drew Hanlon. I think is it? It is Drew Hanlon for sure. It is. So he's got Embiid on the other side. He's been working his ass off trying to get Embiid the MVP. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jason's like, "Hey, what's going on here? What about what about chopped liver?" What do I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> someone needs to be a, a spirit whisperer to Jason. And, um, and yeah, Jalen Brown looks locked in. I, I again, I don't, I don't know that he, he loves Boston long term. My suggestion yeah. is that he doesn't, but yeah. they've got a, they've got time to solve this problem. But to your point, uh, I think Philly's terrific. I think it's. A, I agree with you. I think it's got a chance to be a seven game series. Uh, James Harden's not not a guarantee to play well in Game Three. You would no. think MB to be much better. You would hope certainly, mm-hmm. and uh, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes back to Boston two two at all. I would kind of expect that actually. Yeah, and and that's so we're talking at least six games. I love that point you brought up, David. And this is not about hyping you up, even though I think you're great at what you do and the, the best out there. There, that is something that is a problem in this league, right? Maybe not with head coaches, but with other coaches who their ego or pride won't let them call you or Drew Hanlon or whoever to say, "Hey, man, something's just not right." And it's not that they don't have a relationship with them, but they're. I can't speak for Drew. I can only speak to guys I've talked to who you work with and I've said this pu- privately I'll say it publicly when I mention David I just say David Thorpe to these guys their face lights up like a fucking Christmas tree like they see me coming they're like oh media guy what's he gonna ask me I say no 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 I'm with David Thorpe oh you're cool <laughs> yeah my guy okay no problem right <laughs> I didn't know that part I like that um thank you for that Gerard I I spoke to an NBA player the other day um in person. And I said to him, I've read that the head coach for OKC has like, we've talked about this before, breakfast mm-hmm. or lunch every week with Chet Holmgren. And I, I literally love that. And so I said, um, have, have, how often have you had a meal 
with your head coach. Mm-hmm. He said, um, remember when you met me for breakfast, like in, I think it was December, November, I don't remember what it was, January. And I said, yeah. He's like, that was the first time I met with a coach for a meal in the season. Jesus. He said, I've never had a meal and we've had one film session together privately the whole year. And they, though this was the head coach he was speaking of. That's the norm. It's just the norm. For whatever reason, we've gotten away from uh, coaches recognizing their value as, as spiritual leaders, mm-hmm. as um, uh, places that you'll be in a rock for a player, a place mm-hmm. of stability, place of peace, confidence. You can't do that for every player for lots of reasons. For your better players, whom you know you're not going to trade, certainly have to trade the line. Right. I think these coaches are making a mistake. And I think too many of them use the excuse of, well, these generations, they're so different. Eh, I've got two. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're 58. You seem to communicate with the generation just fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, my two kids at almost 22 are a whole lot like I was. It's not probably smarter, probably more worldly. How do you not be more worldly that the world mm-hmm. comes at you if you open your eyes and ears up to it? Um, I think these young people are just are dying for guidance. I had dinner with a family of, of last night for an NBA, very good NBA prospect and his mom and dad. Uh, not his mom and dad were not born in America. Actually, they still don't live in America. Um, and there, I mean, I could have stayed there five hours. I had a second meeting to go to afterwards, so I had to leave. They would, they were like grabbing me with questions, questions, questions. They normally ask their agent everything, but I just to bring it to perspective. I'm not an agent, and I found it refreshing and normal, mm-hmm. normal. So I think teams who maybe OKC is going to set the trend going forward where. We got to get back to developing our, our people as human beings. Recognize we might trade anyone tomorrow, mm-hmm. but until we do, in fact, I'll just finish with this, Gerard. I wrote it. Was, I was really friendly with an NBA GM that really wanted me to get involved. And when he took over the team, this is maybe 10 years ago, whatever, right, right, right around 10 years ago, he asked me to write, um, to write a memo of like, what should their mission be? I put this in my book, by the way. It was the Grizzlies. Um, and one of the things I, I talked about be getting Mark Gasol to shoot threes and getting and lose weight and getting Mike Conley to believe he can score better. And I said, the bigger thing is you want to build such a relationship with these players that when you have to trade them or waive them or they have to leave because you can't pay them what someone else can, both parties are crying because yeah. you're saying goodbye. Yeah. It doesn't mean it'll happen, but you can build to that. You can build to that. And I think that's we're losing that. We've lost it. I won't say we're losing it. We've lost, lost it. it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, an agent friend of mine told me, spoke to a very famous GM, very successful GM about this very subject. And the GM acknowledged that there's been a shift a little bit away from really developing relationships. You know, I wonder, Gerard, you remember the famous story of Kareem asking Pat Riley if he mm-hmm. could bring, this is the, the most the rigid man. Yeah, asking mm-hmm. bring your dad on the bus. After playing a terrible game, one, I think it was. A 30-something-year-old uh, man, not a, not a child, right. a grown-ass adult, Kareem right. Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> and, and Pat Riley, who's as general-like as you get in the mm-hmm. NBA, certainly then. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how, they, maybe they would say yes now, because they, t- they do tend to kiss the star of death. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's okay. You, there has, you can't be so rigid that, that you lose the humanity aspect of it. And so I think as we go through these next, five, six, seven postseasons where the NBA is going to continue to change even more. We're about to have a seven foot four guard who shoots threes like Duncan Robinson and, and, um, and can post up and everything else and block shots like Rudy Gobert. Uh, the league's going to explode. I really yeah. think it's going to explode, right? And so I think the team that understands this part of the, of, of the uh, human experience mm-hmm. has a huge mm-hmm. advantage. I really do. This is the, you know, everyone's always trying to figure out, okay, what's the area that we can gain a competitive advantage? Remembering that this is a human business still at the end of the day and it's people, right? Like your first message that you say as a coach, we are first in the business to inspire. Like that, like that, that is the number one thing and the connection. So yeah, if something's off with your guy, it's not just, all right, let me connect with it. Like, do I have the relationship to connect with that person? That's what matters. As a coach, former coach myself, he blasts, what do you miss the most? The relationships, not not all the other stuff, it's the relationships because that's where you're able to find out about who your athlete is, how you can not only get to know them, get the best out of them and use different things, right, to help them become that best version of themselves, right? This is, this is the job. 
And yeah, I feel like, you know, not a lot of people do that. The teams that do it best, they'll, they'll be, I think, a leg up. So those teams that really realize, hey, we got we to gotta be better about this and actually give a shit about our players, I think you'll see some good things. Um, Lakers Warriors, LA uh, won game one, and they are up one nothing. Uh, AD was a monster in that game. Uh, it's just, you know, it, his talent has never been in dispute. The issue was always his just availability, right? He just gets hurt often and can't play a long time. But when this guy is on the floor and right, you ain't going to name 10 basketball players before you pick him, right? You just can't because he's that good. And it's not just he can dominate the game on both ends of the floor. That's, yep. the, that's the thing. Literally dominate. Oh, you think you're getting anything at the rim? I promise you're not. Nothing happening here. You're not getting rebounds. Nothing's going on. And then he's just a monster and a load deal with offensively when, he, when he's got it going. And he was great. You know, we talked about Kevon Looney in that first round for the for the Warriors. He had three 20-plus rebound games. I don't think he's going to have a bunch of 20-plus rebound games in this series. Um, just because AD just presents such a problem. Well, but, he, had, he had 23 in game one, right? Who, uh, AD? No, Looney. Did he have 23 in game one? Yes, but he you're not wrong, Gerard. Here's why you're not wrong. There's a problem the Warriors have with two big guys two non- yes. who can't shoot. Yes. Because AD never leaves the paint. So uh, this is not rocket science. Everyone's talking about this. Uh, I'm in an NBA city right now. Um, <laughs> That's all they're uh, saying. <laughs> yeah, they're all, everyone who's smart is talking about this exact subject. Um, how do you not, how do you play Looney and Draymond together and, and AD can never leave the paint? Or the, when you flip that and you take, let's say, Looney out, what are you losing when you take him out? Adding Jermichael Green, who can stretch the floor some. Mm-hmm. But does AD care? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm not right, sure. Yeah. They, I'm not sure. If they, they might be thinking, well, if, if we lose to Jermichael Green, you know, we, we'll lose to we'll Jermichael lose. Green. We'll lose. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. In game two, we'll see how that works. I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to do that. Uh, the Warriors are. And they're going to realize that's not going to work. And then they're going to go back to Looney, I think, is what, mm. what, I, what I think will end up happening, is they'll go back to their core and just rely on taking 53s a game. They took 53 in game one. Yes, they did. And made a bunch and still lost. It was a good game. They still lost. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go back to that ultimately, but I bet we see a different Looney might play 18 minutes tonight or something. Like They're going to try, well, maybe more than that, but they're going to try some different things to try to get 80 out of the paint. And to your point about dominating both sides, um, I told this to Henry. I, I listened to your guys' show Monday, and um, I'm so mad at myself for not prepping Henry better on one thing. He made a comment about, um, uh, you know, AD, because of Looney and Draymond's presence inside, it's going to be mostly pushed out the perimeter, like behind the three, he said. Mm-hmm. And I told Henry, that's my fault for not telling you that, no, that's not true. That AD is so good at the 15, 16, 17-foot shot. And yes. those guys cannot touch it because like we talked about Victor Wembanyama, AD gets mm-hmm. the ball so high above his head and he's so good at it. That's why he can dominate both ends. He can kill you in the paint. He can kill you 15, 16, you know, old school mid range, Dirk Nowitzki mid range. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, as long as he's healthy, he's, I mean, I, two years ago, I wrote that he's going to be the MVP of the league. I was wrong. They won I the mean, championship, but, you, but I was wrong, but he's right there. But you, when you see him play, like you're like this. That's an MVP caliber player, right? Because yeah. he can do that. He, the he issue can, is you have to do it a long, long enough time to win MVP. And, right. You know. So think about this, Gerard. So LeBron won the MVP of the Disney bubble, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of those. Wherever I, whenever I travel, I, I love people telling me that 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 championship didn't count. Fuck that. Oh, stop. So stupid. It was the same for everybody. Everybody so had the exactly same conditions. Right. It's a level playing field for everyone, and um, that they were the best team going in, and they were the best team coming out. But LeBron was MVP. AD was good. LeBron was better. This team, if they're, I think AD would be the MVP if they win the championship. I yes. think if they yes. they have to have that from him. Yes, that's the only um, way that's going to work. Yeah, I, I think I don't. LeBron just isn't the pop. Isn't there that we're watching? He's just I mean, brilliant. He probably needs surgery on that foot. If we're being honest, right? Oh, wow, that's probably yeah. he probably needs surgery on that foot. Like yeah. that's you know. That's probably what happens. I mean, he even alluded to it. He's like, if I do get surgery now season, you guys will never know because you'll never see me and I won't tell you. Right. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> probably means you need to get surgery on your foot. Um, look, I, I'm with you. AD is the key. Here's what I worry about though. And this is 
point you've brought up all year long. It's the Darvin Ham of it all. I feel like Steve Kerr and his post-game comments after game one might have been playing a little bit of mind games. I mean, he did go to school for, with uh, Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson, two of the notorious coaching mind game players. In that, he said, someone asked him, oh, Steve, you know, do you feel like um, you sat Steph too much in that quarter, you know, when you in the third and you're going to play them more because you guys came back and you got within one, whatever. He's like, oh, no, like they have to play AD all those minutes, you know, because like that's just what you got to do. And I'm like, yeah, do they have to play AD all those minutes? Right. Really? And he's like, you know, Darvin's such a smart coach. I'm like, mm, is he Steve? You actually believe what you're saying? Or is I, I you think playing you're games? I, I did not know what you meant because I didn't look at the link you put in the document. Yeah. Oh, I think you're exactly right. I think this is a mind game. I think, hell yeah, he wants AD to play every minute. Uh, you, of course you do. <laughs> if you remember AD's um, first injury, uh, it came this year following a couple games where he played crazy minutes. And this is every other night going forward. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. He is a big man who falls a lot. And it's just, it's not good. And you saw it, David, because I think AD played the entire second half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. 44 minutes, maybe? 44 minutes. There was a period where, I think it was Wiggins. Wiggins got tipped four or five straight rebounds. And I'm like, oh, I know why he's doing this. AD literally cannot move. That's why he got it. Because there's no way Andrew Wiggins is going to out-get AD on a rebound. No, he just can't move. That's why he got it four consecutive times. Because he is dog-tired. And I'm like, okay, you won game one. Cool, but at what cost? Right? Because you cannot continuously play 44 minutes and think you're going to win this series. Steph played under 40 because he played 40 plus in game seven against Sacramento against a strategic plan by curve. He did that on purpose and shit, it almost, they still almost won the game, right? They had a shot to win it with Jordan Poole, which by the way, that was fine. Like I had no problem with that shot. Like he was six to 10 that night. Like that's a shot he can make. Like he didn't, whatever it happens. Um, I, yeah, I, I worry about ham not going to his bench. Cause those, those, you know, once again, guys, newsflash, David Thorpe is smart about basketball. He said, that roster the Lakers have is very good. Wenyon Gabriel, Troy Brown, all these guys can play and do Sh- different Schroeder. things. They're loaded. Schroeder. They're loaded. And, but it's like, use them. You can rest AD and play with these guys, and you'll be fine. You just got to be a little bit imaginative, right? Do a little, tweak it slightly, but he just didn't. Listen, I'm going to sound stupid for saying this, but I, I think without question, after the acquisition of Darvin Ham, Rob Palenka was the executive of the year. No, you said that. I'm not, I'm not buddies with them. I mean, I know Rob, but we haven't talked probably, you know, other than hello in a long time. Um, I, his, his team is fucking loaded. Daryl Morey's team is loaded, too, in terms of depth. So forget about the starting five. You, you, everyone is good. Like, all these players are good players. Austin Reeves as a secondary Very guy. Very good. Very good player. They have so many guys. Um, I think sometimes, Gerard, like, I understand the idea that each, if each game is a battle, Right, you got to win four battles to win the war, mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes there's a greed uh, to we just got to worry about this game, and and I understand it uh, as someone who's you know coached a lot and coached a lot of tournaments, and then was a dad to a player that did a lot of these things. I remember one time I saw us playing baseball, like high level travel baseball, which is like AAU for baseball, mm-hmm. and we were we were in the semifinals against a good team that we had already beaten once. And it was my son's turn to pitch uh, in terms of the rotation. And then the guys who run the team at this point, I was just a dad. They came to me and said, hey, we're going to save Max for the finals uh, because we're going to beat this team with their other pitchers. uh, And Max will pitch in the finals for us. And I said, guys, do whatever you want to do. Let's make sure we talk after the tournament. Well, we lost because our our, our other great pitchers were already used up. They couldn't pitch anyway. Um, Our other good pitchers. So. We got beat, and they, they came and they said, what were you thinking? I said, um, there is no tomorrow. No, you're, you're in a, everything's a one and done, okay? We, we had a pitch max in this game. And then get lucky. By the way, the other team might be in the same problem. They might not have a fourth good pitcher either or whatever. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is, I think, the mentality of NBA coaches where they only think about today. The mm-hmm. difference is these, these, this isn't game seven. Right. You got – yeah, so yeah, best I, of seven. Yeah. I think I think in that scenario, you can't think longer term and and think to, OK, I, I want to win the battle and the war. I want to win the battles and the war. 
And so I need to put a curve, period. And I, what I would do is go to the doctor mm-hmm. and AD and say, okay, what's our minutes restriction for you? Let's figure it out. Well, let your data scientists mm-hmm. look it up. Here's all the injuries he's had the last three years. Here's the minutes he's played in the previous game, games, whatever. I mean, I, I'm not a data scientist, but they are. And they, they're the they ones you should be talking easily. They're the ones you yeah. should be talking to. They, 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 they can say, we, we don't have any idea if it's going to help or not. Right. But this is what the numbers suggest. So at least we have some mm-hmm. science. Mm-hmm. Their science only is, we have to win this battle, period. Fuck tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And, and I, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. But, but yeah. um, it, it, it's, very well, it's, very, it's very much likely the case that we're going to see uh, an injured, affected Anthony Davis, and then it, you know, even tonight they play second yeah. game tonight, right? Yes, yep, game yeah. two tonight. Yeah. Every other day from here on out, forty-four minutes, one day's rest. I have real concerns. Yeah, yeah for real. I just I felt like you could have bought him some minutes in that second half. You could have, right? Like, I think so. And too. I think, and and I think that's players, the thing. Tire players are worse than fresh ones, especially with a roster that oh. deep. Yeah. And you saw, by the way, even in the as Warriors were kind of making that furious comeback, players on both ends gassed. Yeah, gassed. Steph Curry got by his initial defender, gets into the paint to, to do a scoop shot layup. David, you could barely fit a dollar bill under his feet how far he got off the ground. And it's again, I know Steph's not a high jumper, but still, he gets up higher than that on a shot. AD didn't have to leave his feet to block it, barely put his hand up to, to get the rejection, right? It's just, I'm like, you guys are tired. And Henry said this on Monday's show, we are bad as a league at delivering healthy players to this time of year. We're just the mechanism isn't set up right, and teams don't do enough of what they're supposed to do, and there's enough buy-in to get players where they need to be playing at their best. Darvin, Wendon Gabriel looks springy and bouncy, and he don't got a lot of minutes on his body. Yeah, he might fuck some things up. That's sure. It's probably going to happen. But you know who wins? Young, springy, bouncy people tend to do well, right? Better than older people who are tired. Well, Doc Rivers said last night after first quarter, he said, maybe it was after halftime. I don't remember. He said, uh, uh, they're winning the possession game. They, every, you know, these guys talk and hyperbole. They get every steal, they get every rebound, they get every loose ball. Right. No, they, no, they don't. But right. they're getting more <laughs> of them. And yes. So if you acknowledge that it's a possession game, which I do believe is the case, it's probably good to get the really fast athletic guys that can go get the ball faster or before so. you, before the other <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah, that's something that um, we're, we're going to have to watch that closely because I do think um, I think Golden State's got a better chance to recover faster at those spots. Uh, not every spot because Lakers have plenty of young guys, mm-hmm. but AD and LeBron are, are not two of them. And that's the thing. When your two most important guys are your two yeah. oldest and most injured, this is, you know, this is Phoenix's problem, which we'll get to them in a little bit. All right, everybody, we'll be back after a short commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, David. Uh, the other series um, we should talk about here are Nugget Suns. Denver leads two games to none. Uh, Chris Paul is going to be out for game three. He has uh, growing tightness. Uh, it's not a tear yet, but that is something to be mindful. You know, Chris is on the other side of 38, right? Like this is every year we know something like this happens. And it's 
been a philosophy, not a philosophy, but my sort of core belief about small guards. And I know you believe this too, small players in a land of giants. Like this is just hard when you have to depend so heavily on someone who's basically barely six feet in shoes to consistently be this in a land against big, gigantic men. There's a tax. And this ain't just a tax this year. Chris Paul's been playing the NBA almost 20 years. This is all that cumulative wear and tear on that brilliant mind, but small body, right? And it, this is this is the reality for them. And so now not having their point guard on the floor is going to now ratchet up pressure on other areas, right? Who can organize us? Who can get us where we need to be? You could, we'll see. Uh, I got to give Denver credit defensively for doing some things. I will say this, though, David, game two, and let me know what you think. I thought the Suns played excellent in game two. They held Denver at 97 points. Normally you do that, that kind of offense, that's a game you win. They had 19 more shot attempts than, than the Nuggets did. They just missed them all. I feel like if KD shoots normally, they win that game more 1-1. What say you? I don't disagree with that. Um, I, but, but as a strategy, uh, you, they can't be thinking, well, let's just play the same as game two and make, we'll make shots. We normally make. Maybe, maybe you will. You got to find ways to disrupt them even more. You got to find ways to get to the free throw line, which is an issue. Oh, they're not shooting many threes. And so their margin for error, uh, because they're all two pointers is, is, is bigger. Um, KD's played well these first two games, not amazing. Right. Well, there's no guarantee he does it every game. Right. So they've, they've got to come in. I mean, Aiton's got to be much more active on the glass. Oh, He's been God. a disappointment. Very everyone, much so. Yeah, everyone keeps saying that. Um, how are they going to distribute the minutes? Are they going to overplay Booker and Durant even more? And just to win this battle, and I, I get it. In a sense, they're really, this is their game seven. Oh, it's a must win. They have to win. You can't be down 3 0. So, no. so um, I, I hope, I hope, I'd like to see Denver play faster in game three. Let's try to fatigue those guys and hope that we're within five points either way, five, five minutes to play, you know, basically a clutch game. And, and let's see how those guys perform late. Because um, you can go for the kill shot right now if you're done. Oh, without question. How do you like as a strategy, and I thought it was interesting, take away, look, as you always say, you're not, you don't stop elite players like Giannis, Jokic. They're going to do what they do. But one of the Jokic's superpowers is his elite passing and getting everybody else involved. Well, it seemed like instead of sending doubles to him, in game two, they said, we're just going to guard you straight up. If you score 38 or 40, cool, but you ain't getting 12, 15 assists. And he did not get four or five assists in that game. How do you like that as a strategy against Jokic? Um, the, challenge, the challenge for Denver is, who is Jamal Murray in the postseason? Well, the challenge for playing Denver. It, because he's an amazing shot maker. Very amazing shot maker. You can really guard him well, and it won't matter. He's got just a real talent at making good contested shots at a high level. And um, I, I think it's smart to to keep, you know, your, the job of a defense, Gerard, is to make the offense do stuff they don't normally do or normally practice or normally have success at. That's their job. Mm-hmm. You're not shutting anyone out. Uh, you're trying to just points per shot, points per possession, drag down. And so if you can disrupt the Warriors off the Warriors, the, the, the old Warriors, the Warriors, Cuisinart in Denver, they call it whatever they call it. If you can make that have to operate differently, I think you've done your job. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, yeah, make, make them attack you differently. Make them not get the stuff they normally get in their half-court offense and get to the second option, third option, fourth option. It's just like in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they say, you know, take what the defense gives you. Well, the defense can dictate what they want to give you. Right. And if you're a team that likes to throw the, the five-yard outs, the seven-yard outs constantly, defensively, I can try to take that away and see what else you have. And maybe we'll get killed, but maybe we won't. I remember, I remember I've told this story once before, I think, before the Super Bowl with the Rams versus the Patriots mm-hmm. in, in New England's first attempt to win a championship, Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm no Patriots fan or Bill Belichick fan. I'm just a fan of strategy. Um, Belichick, this is when the Rams had the fastest show on turf. That's what they called it, mm-hmm. right? Marshall Falk, mm-hmm. maybe. Yep. Yep. 
All those right. guys. Isaac, yeah. Isaac Bruce. Yep, they were excellent. Yeah. Kurt Warner, quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, Belichick came into the first meeting after they had won the HC Championship game. It's like everything we've done strategically, systemically, gone. We will get destroyed by this team. And we totally redo how we're defending in this game. See what happens. They won. They, yeah. they, they got the Rams un- uncomfortable. That's the job of defense. That's yeah. the job of defense. And um, as I was saying, in basketball, defense is blackjack. Uh, sure is. Keep, keep delivering 16s. And then live with the fours and fives that they get uh, right. to beat you on occasion. Right. You know? Because that's um, going to happen on occasion. You're going right, right. to right. get a four or five. But no casino is going broke that way. The only way a casino goes broke is they have someone like Donald Trump running. Right? You're not going broke. <laughs> because the dealer, the dealer doesn't have to hit first. Right. You have to hit first. And so you right. can go broke and then have to draw a damn card. Right? The greatest <laughs> run I ever had, and I've had some runs now, um, <laughs> in blackjack, uh, 90 minutes straight, me and four buddies of mine, two of my brothers, in Vegas, like at midnight. At the first night we got there, I swear to you, 90 minutes, the dealer didn't get a single blackjack. Not one. Which meant we were in every hand. Because right. you lose every hand that they get blackjack to start. You, right. Unless you have it also, you lose. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to dole out uh, 16s, yeah. right? And live with the, the occasional four and five. And so if you can keep Jokic and the system from operating like they normally do, make them think. Right, make them think, make them wonder how they how they attack me here. What are they doing? And I think it should be game to game, and then quarter to quarter, and then possession yeah. to possession, where I'm just sprinkling in. And I used to love as a coach the 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 occasional trap. I trapped all the time, nonstop. I really believed in that. But then I also would find in half court possession, a full court possession, a trap we've never done before. It, we might get give up a layup or dunk for sure. Yeah. But we're going to, I want to see, I'm also going to see how you attacked it because now I might trap again, but change my backside rotation differently because I saw what you did against me in the first half. So I may have an assistant coach say, Hey, we're going to run this in the timeout. I want you to see what the backside does. I'm going to watch the ball. You watch the backside. I don't have, I'm a staff at seven in high school. And so let's see what they did. And then at halftime, we'll tweak this call. It's called bullseye, whatever we call it. I used to have, I used to have audibles all the time. And then we'll make that quick adjustment, knowing what they're going to do when they see this particular job coming. But fortunately, to think this is the chess game that I don't think we see enough of because yeah. they kind of know it's coming all the time on both sides. I think they should be more innovative that way. And this is why we started the show, talking yeah. about who can be innovative enough, right? And look, you got to give Denver, you know, and Denver's kind of going through this playoffs like... One loss. They're, they're under the radar. Nobody's, nobody's talking about them. Everybody's like, ah, oh, we don't believe in you. We don't believe in you. Like, no, they're... They have the collective, right? Because that crew's been, yes, Murray and MJ have been hurt. But they've that, that team has been together. And the pieces they picked up, Brown, KCP, right? They're the right guys. When Aaron Gordon is, I don't know, your fourth option or third, that's a good thing. He was a number five pick, right? Clearly not a number one. Miscast is that. But as a four who can guard and do different things and he's shooting threes, well, I mean, this is, this is helpful. He's this good. is very played, helpful for you. And he's played well. And they're, they're, a, they're definitely a connected team. Yes. Uh, there's no, I, I have doubts about um, Malone as an innovative coach. I have doubts as him uh, not panicking, but he hasn't had a panic. They're six and one. Right. right. They, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens tonight. He could easily get to a point where Jokic plays 47 minutes in a game. And now we start this <laughs> clock going again. But so far, <laughs> so far they're, they're rolling. And they're, they're in a position, think about it. They could go up, they play tomorrow. They could, uh, yeah, up, Friday. Mm-hmm. they could go up 3-0. Oh, it's over if they're up 3-0. And the West has potentially a six or seven game series coming. Huge and are a day behind them. Mm-hmm. Because Denver, I don't know why Denver was, they played Monday. Yes. So they go on Monday, Friday. I think it's because of hockey. Something, both yeah, te- probably, both probably te- hockey. Yeah, I the think arena. both teams, their hockey team is still alive. Maybe that's why. Probably. Yeah, could um, be. Could be. Huge advantage. Huge advantage for the next round. If they can take care of business, which is a big if. Huge if. I will say this. Monty, you know, that game two, that, that game was getting away from them uh, in game one. And I said, why does Monty still have Book and Katie on the... Yeah. You're, in, you're, you're down. This game's over. Take him out. Like, you're, you're clearly not... Yeah. This, this as is, a coach, you have to read that as a coach, right? You know, we don't... It's not happening. You have lost, to see that. You've already lost the battle. Don't lose the war, too. 
because you lost a battle and you just took all your men in and lost them all. Yeah, I thought that was a mistake. That was definitely a mistake. But now knowing that and he has his three days off, expect KD and Book to play heavy minutes uh, on Friday night because of the three days. Right? It's, a do, it's and, a do or die. Yeah, And, and it is a do or die, so they kind of yeah. have to. But Monty also said, look for TJ Warren and, and uh, Terrence Ross to get some playing time. Look, the bench is clearly not as good as it once was. This is the price you pay when you go after a guy like KD, right? You don't have Mikhail and Cam Johnson, right? This is, this is what it is. But you have other guys on the bench. You got to find a way to play them, right? So, or figure out how to mask what you're doing. Aiton has been disappointing to your point. He has just got to be better. I, I, you know, they, they gave him the extension. I wonder if they, if this series ends and they go home here, do they think about moving him in the offseason? Problem, of course, with that is, is that you're trading him when his value's at its lowest, right? Yeah, he signed for however many years, but it's like, yeah, but this dude showed us he's not that good. Do we want to trade for him? No, no, no. Remember this, the season, in a sense, began with the Pacers trying to get DeAndre Aiden. Mm-hmm. They've got to be breathing a collective sigh of relief. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Miles Turner was good. He's a lot less money. He got paid 35 this year, but it goes down to 20 in, in the coming season. And then, like, a 19 the year after that, I believe, because they had the cap space to pay him a ton up front. Great deal for Miles Turner. Great deal for Indiana. He's going to get cheaper mm-hmm. and cheaper and might be every bit as good, if not better, than DeAndre who who cost him a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, something, something that bears watching for sure. Um, the other. Playoff series in the East, Knicks and Heat series tied 1-1. Uh, Jimmy Butler status. I don't think they've announced it yet if he's playing game three. I would suspect I've, him to. I've not seen it. I think he's playing. I, I, he yeah. was moving around pretty well. I, yeah. in, fact, in fact, I think he could have played the, the last game. Ah, so did Spo say, you know what? Yeah. We're okay. We got our so. game one. We're going to. I think that's exactly right. I think that we're seeing something that we never would ever see. Remember, there was a period of time not that long ago where if you could limp, you could play. <laughs> well, we see Willis Reed, right? right. We, we saw it but, all, right? Like, it, even, even in the 80s, if, yeah. you could, if you could walk around, you could play, and you expected to play, and it was stupid. But that's what they did. I, I looked at Jimmy Butler in his little brown tank top, you know, his fashionable tank top. Um, <laughs> it looks to me like he could have played game two, but, but why? Yeah, that was smart. Did the Knicks make a strategic error in game one when it was clear that Butler could not move, that they didn't just say, uh, let's get him in action and see if he can do stuff. Let's go at him and test that ankle. Make them take him off the floor. Did they make a mistake not testing him? I thought they tested him some. I think your question is, um, what, it should have been a more pronounced strategy. Pro- probably. Then they would have taken him out, I think. I think they would have just taken him out. So I'm not sure what it mattered either way. Um, but that certainly should be the strategy to start tonight. Is it, let's test him. Hey, you may find out really fast. Oh, he's fine. So, so they go <laughs> quickly go to Plan B because right, that's, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not a, that's not a guy to trifle with. No, and no, no. Playoff Jimmy <laughs> is a real thing, right? Playoff Jimmy is. I don't know what they're calling it. He's a real thing. Yeah. Well, you you, you know what's so interesting about uh, I was digging into his numbers, right? To see like is he that much better in the postseason than he's in regular season? Then the numbers don't suggest that. What they suggest is. He's an excellent player he's in the regular season, yeah. and he's also excellent in the postseason. Which, which not all. everyone is. Not everyone is that. Yeah, this <laughs> right. guy in the playoffs is unbelievable. We've seen it before. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he could be the best player in that series. He is the best player in that series, uh, without question, in my opinion. He was, uh, he was top four in EPM this year. He was yeah. third. Oh, he's fourth, a, excuse me. He's a winning machine. He just doesn't play a lot in the regular season for, for a variety of reasons. So I think people are like, oh, Jimmy's not. I'm like, Jimmy, like... His, I mean, he plays enough games. He's an MVP candidate every year. Like that's the kind of yeah. effect he has on the team. He just doesn't for whatever I think, reason. I think so too. I agree. Um, here's something interesting I found in that series, David. So the Heat are taking 37 threes per game and they're making 41%. That's the second best mark in the league. In the regular season, they only took 34 per game and made 34% of those threes. They were bottom, they were the fourth worst shooting team in the regular season. Now, regular season is a much larger sample size, right? 82 games. So this is likely who the Heat are. But the playoffs, everything, every series is a short sample size, right? So we're talking about through seven games, this is what they're shooting. It likely won't happen over 15 games, but guess what? It may not take 15 games to get to the conference finals, right? They may do it in 12, 13, 14, whatever, and they can maintain that shooting. I say that because you think of a guy like, Isaac Okoro, right? Who had that awesome, I think it was February, shot the ball really well, 37%. Okay, but that's for 13 to 15 games, which you play in a month. 
Yeah, well, in March, wasn't so good. 20-something percent, right? Which brought him back down to his average. When did the Heat fall back to their average? Is there not, right? Does it happen in this series? That's an interesting thing to look at. What was Jimmy Butler's three-point shooting, you know, regular season compared to Oh, that? I mean, he, 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 didn't even, he barely took threes <laughs> in the right, regular so, season. <laughs> so there you go. That, that, that's something that can, that they can, they can kind of strategically count on. Um, and there's, you, you play all these games ostensibly to create the environment that gives you in the best position to, to make a postseason run. And um, they've got a swagger about them. Now, we'll see what happens in game three. Uh, sure. uh, is that tonight? Uh, no, they play on Friday, Friday? as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they, they've seemed to have found a rhythm. They, they have. No steam. They found a rhythm. Uh, Duncan looks confident. I forgot it wasn't playing at all. That, to me, is amazing, David. He was, yeah. out, he was out of the rotation, and all of a sudden, he's like, I'm fine. I can make shots. That's... This, is, this is the secret of the NBA that no one realizes. Uh, most of these guys, they, they have such a confidence about them that they'll put in the work every day because they know my time's coming again. Someone's getting injured. Someone's getting foul trouble. I'm going to get a chance to play. It doesn't mean that it always happens, but it happens a lot. We, we say this all the time. If someone behind the scenes is talking to players, you have to tell them, I have players now that aren't in rotations, that couldn't get in rotations any day now. And so you better do your part. I asked one player recently, uh, how's he doing in, in their five on five, which is basically he's scrimmaging sometimes against the starters, mm-hmm. you know, it, mostly scout team kind of stuff, or, mm-hmm. or it's the, it's the, non-rotation players with like managers too mm-hmm. right and he said to me oh coach i'm a menace <laughs> and he made just scoring a lot and he's a hell of a player um he's just not playing for different reasons uh it, it takes a lot of talent you, the average human being uh whether you're an accountant or a lawyer or whatever uh you can be down when things seem to be going the wrong way players have to see the sunny side they have to believe and then they have to put in the work to be ready duncan deserves a lot of credit the heat yeah. as well but Duncan has a lot of credit to do what he's doing. Yeah, no, he, he's been outstanding. We talked about Spo being he's phenomenal. Great. I mean, so Jimmy and Bam, of course, uh, Jim, uh, Bam was a first-round pick. Jimmy, uh, was Jimmy first first pick in the second round or last pick in the first round, I think? 30th um, pick first round out of Marquette. Okay. Everybody else that they play in rotation are undrafted dudes. Except Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, of course, is drafted, but he's old now. Older now. That's, that is incredible. And we talked about this on Monday. What other teams in the, in the league? Would have taken Gabe Vincent and Max Drews, or if like he called them today, hey, we got any any interest in Gabe Vincent and Max Drews? Henry joked, "Yeah, no, I'm busy. <laughs> I can't take that call." And it's like, yeah, but you're missing gold, my friend, because clearly it, the Heat don't have a monopoly on what to do. The talent is clearly there. Why are they able to do it, but 20 other teams can't figure out how to do it? Coaches League. That's why I've been saying this since I joined ESPN in 07. Coaches League. It's not just superstars only. The best coaches get create strategies and systems to get the most out of every, you know, the, the majority of the players they get, not everyone. The Martin, even the Martin kid, yeah, was Martin. A, I, think, I think this was, the, was he the second round one or the yes. undrafted one for Charlotte? I don't know. I don't honestly don't know. I don't remember which one's which, but um, I didn't like either guy coming out of college personally. They were 25, 24 when they came out in Nevada. Uh, he's a good player. He's always an athlete, good player. Mm-hmm. The coaches do a great job there. Everyone knows their role, buys into their role. Um, there's a lot of Kevon Looney's out there who mm-hmm. Kevon Looney, there's a lot of guys who could do what Kevon does, but they can't, their ego won't let him do it. I could score more. Remember, do you know what Kevon Looney's nickname was in high school? Baby KD. <laughs> baby Durant. Baby, mm-hmm. Fucking baby Durant. He was a monster. Monster. McDonald's All-American. Could have gone anywhere in the country he wanted to go. And yet, he's happy to be the glue guy role player. And now he's had some injuries, for sure. And then he played back-to-back 82-game seasons. Um, there's a mindset there that's really valuable. Most guys do have it, but they wouldn't last long otherwise. And uh, Miami's done a great job of taking those guys and turning them into quality players. Last thing before we get to any changes in our top five players in the playoffs. Henry asked a question about Michael Porter Jr. in our in our chat. Um, and, you know, Michael Malone didn't play him much in game two. And I'm like, you know, and he's not scoring sometimes. He's like, he's bad at everything else. David, do you think guys who like Michael Porter Jr., who were elite scorers based on the time they were born, and that's what they're known for, does it make the other parts of the game hard for them to develop because that's what they're known as and what they've convinced themselves they are? 
I do think that's a problem uh, in general is um, getting I think there's a myth in, in the NBA uh, in terms of how people talk about you have to have one elite skill. I, I don't love that. Your elite skill needs to be I have to help win basketball games. And I don't have to be elite at anything for that to happen. I need to be elite knowing how to play. It's helpful if I have an elite skill. But I can, if, if I can do a lot of things well and, and win possessions, that's valuable too. And I think sometimes, and I think Michael Porter Jr. is one example of it, I don't think he really totally buys into how do I help my team besides just shooting? I'm just a great shooter, and that's enough. And it's not. I think it's a mistake. Yeah. Does that answer your question? No, it, it does 100%. No, it's especially in the playoffs that gets magnified, right? Because, okay, your shot's not falling. What else are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Nothing? Well, yeah. you can't play then, right? Yeah. Like, then you can't be out here. Yeah. I, it, I really am a big believer in that. Find a way to impact wins when your shot's not falling, when you're a shooter like Michael, like Andrew Tech. No, that, that, that's for sure. All right, David, any changes in your top five playoff performers? You, I, I'm out of my office. Do you have the list of last time? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good who, who, we, who we had last time. Um, did I have Harden last time? You did not. I'm going to put Harden at number Ooh. five. Uh, what, that, what he did in game one is huge. He was, he was excellent. There, otherwise, they're down 2-0. Yeah. And yeah. against Boston. To win four or five against that team is just unlikely. You had to win one of those first two games. And like um, they did it without Joel. And I think they were probably better off with Joel. He's not ready yet to be the dominant player, which he will be soon. Um, I like that. I also give Harden a vote because everyone was afraid to approach Joel when he won the MVP, if you saw the video. Oh, the video. I knew you, this was so great. We love the video. Harden gave him like two big, big, felt bear hugs. And I thought it was, in a sense, an unconscious way of saying to Doc and the Sixers, like, I told y'all, like, I know my role now. I don't have to be the man every night. I'm going to win Big Phil the MVP. And, and I'm I, also a brilliant basketball player. I know he, how to play basketball. <laughs> he led the league in assists, right? Right, right. Yeah. Like he was, he, not for he, the first time in his career, by the way. He's done that right. before. <laughs> Embiid is not the MVP without James Harden being who James Harden was this year. So I love seeing that. So I, I put I'm putting Harden in there. And um, I don't know if I'll keep Book in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I. So I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna slide Book and Durant out. Yeah. And I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put Curry because that 50 point game. I yeah. Mean, I, I got. I gotta. I, I like gotta that. put that in there. And 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 Harden. The other thing I, I liked about that, David, um, there's also James Harden understands the emotions Embiid is feeling. James Harden finished runner up before he won MVP. He knows that. Maybe thinking I might never win this award. And I. I don't think fans really get how important it is for these guys when they are in that upper echelon to w- how much it means to them to win that award. The list of MVPs in this league ain't long. That's a, it's to win any special club. The, right. To your point is to win any award. I spoke to a it's rookie. Special. I spoke to a rookie this last week who has a real shot to be at um, the rookie, the all rookie team. All rookie team. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. I really don't care. And I don't think the league really cares. All rookies, and Chris Duarte was all rookie last year. Does anyone even know who he is now? <laughs> he's, he's close to being third string in Indiana right now. Um, and this guy said, "Yeah, I want, I want to get all rookie. Like they want, all, they want all of it. They want all that smoke. They want yes, everything. They do. And, and they yeah. should. I, I get it. I get it. You can't do anything about it now. The season's right. over. But right. um, yeah, jo- and for and for Joel too. You know, he knows what those injuries were like earlier in his career. He knows what he's had to recover from. It's a hell mm-hmm. of a story." Mm-hmm. If the honest story is great, so is Joel's. Oh yeah, and, I mean, uh, and you could tell it meant to him because he was crying when he got when he got named, right? And I know sure. you love that that great sure. show of like and Harden. Like it's always good when you see men like being able to be like you know because we are not we're not part of the macho guy culture. Like we don't believe in that shit, right? It's like man, these are humans, these are emotions, and it's wonderful to see. I also joked in our chat, we all need friends like James Harden. I would like a friend to give me a Rolex inscribed that says 2023 NBA MVP on the back. Uh, when when when, when uh, Embiid showed it on ESPN, he started smiling. He's like, "Oh, this is my first watch," <laughs> and like, and it's like, "Oh, look at you know." He, he can afford his own Rolex. Uh, he can certainly afford his own Rolex. It's very for sure. nice. It's yeah. It's I, a- as someone who's received the most absurdly nice gift imaginable, <laughs> which I did like in I think I got it in 2013. Um, it's the most humbling. Really, other than having children and having somehow getting my wife to say she'd marry me, getting a gift of like, you know, that kind of value. And I, I got a car. 
Yeah, like, yeah. what the hell? How did that? What, <laughs> how what that happened in this world, yeah. right? I mean, I've never inherited anything in my life. Like, my, you know, my grandparents left it all to my parents, and they're still alive, and whatever. I like, what in the world's going on? And so, for James to do that, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think, I think, um, I just, I've had a feeling about the Sixers and the Lakers you all have. season. I have, you have. and um, not that I pick, I picked Milwaukee to win the whole thing. Obviously, I was wrong, but um, I just think. I, I'm not betting against Philly right now. I'm not betting either team. Like, I think it's going to be an amazing series. I really expect it to be 2-2. I hope. It'll be great. No. It, listen, the playoffs are exciting, guys. Make sure you're tuning in. You're watching all weekend. Have a great one, everybody. And we will see you back on Monday. Take care.